0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word.
1: Praise the Lord.
0: Well, today we are going to be continuing our series on the exalted Christ. And you know, um, today's passage is is near and and close to my heart because um, I believe that it's it's one of the foundational truths uh, of scripture and actually um, kind of the theme that we've been talking about uh, here for the exalted Christ is that we would see him higher so that we can live higher. I think that they have a a slide for that, but that's something that we've been saying because we wanna believe that God, when we look, you know, your vision is so important what you see is so critically important. Because what you see will determine what you believe. What you, what the things that your heart perceives will determine what you think about. And so today, uh, this passage, I believe, shows this truth to be uh, uh, just crystal clear, uh, maybe even more than any passage in the book of John. And so, we're gonna get into it here in a second, and I just wanna kinda of set this up for us before we before we read it, but you know, um, in this text, Jesus actually refers to himself as the light of the world. And what we see is that there are places in this man's life, the man that we're gonna be reading about, there's places in his life where he needed vision, he needed the light of God to be able to see who he was. And then there's also At the end of the chapter, sometimes you can see things around you, okay, but you might have a bad perspective of who Jesus is, and it clouds the rest of your vision. And so really, I believe that the first part of this passage is talking about how we see ourselves, and then the second part of this passage is talking about how we view God. And today, we're going to be focusing on the first part, which speaks of how we view ourselves. And you know... um, this is so, this is so big. You know, the world doesn't want you to change. Did you know that? The world doesn't want you to change because if you change, what happens is you bring light into a, into situations that used to be dark. And, and when you change... What happens is you change into, the the Bible says that we go from glory to glory, that we're transformed closer and closer to the image of Christ. And so whenever you change and you get closer to the image of Christ, you bring more of Jesus to wherever you go. And the world wants to resist that because when you shine a light on something that someone has tried to keep hidden, they, they don't like that. And I mean, if we're honest, sometimes we don't like that either, right? But today, I believe that God, he wants to radically transform how we look at ourselves. The devil does not want us to walk into the identity that Christ has purchased for us. And the reason that he doesn't want us to walk into our identity is because he's afraid. If we walk into our identity, if we walk into who God has called us to be, then there's nothing that can stop us because when God is for us, who can be against us? So today, I wanna look at John chapter nine and the title of my sermon this morning is Removing the Mud. Removing the Mud. A lot of the times we have mud On our eyes, and we can't see who what God sees. We can't see what God really sees, and so today we're gonna see how. Jesus fixes that issue. Amen. Come on, let's read together. John chapter 9 and I'm going to be reading it's a larger passage. So, I need you to I need you to not check out, okay? This is a really good passage. It's a great story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And the reason that it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible is cuz it's really spicy. It's it's got it's got a little bit of attitude. It's it's a great story. You're going to love it. Okay, here we go. So, John chapter 9 verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's a big assumption, isn't it? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him because it's easier to say that uh, there's a mistaken identity than a miracle happened. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Interesting conclusion to those facts. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. This is a really, imp- you know, this is a really uh, uh, well-done court case right here, you know. Uh, is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Thanks mom and dad. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. Come on, preach, brother. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I love that. (laughs) Treated. (laughs) Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. You know, Jesus, he kind of flipped everything upside down on its head. And this morning, what I want us to really focus on and what I want us to really understand today is that Jesus removes the mud of past identity with the light of our mission. Jesus removes the mud of past identity with the light of our mission. Let's pray. Jesus, I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you, O God, would illuminate our hearts and our minds that we might see with heaven's eyes today that we might see what you believe, oh God. Lord, that we might see what you know to be true, that we might see who you have created us to be. So, God, we look to you. We ask, O oh God, open our hearts. May there not be one part of our heart that is dark after this sermon. We pray that the light of Jesus would fill every crevice, every corner, every closet, O oh God. We ask, O oh God, that the light of your Spirit, O oh God, would shine in us, O oh God, and expose the lies that have been hiding, that have been, that have been burrowing into us, O oh God, and have limited the vision and the mission that you have put on us. So God, we pray, oh God, for a revelation today, and we pray for a breakthrough for every single one of us in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You know, I, this passage is, like I said, it's one of my favorites in the Bible, and, and uh, the first thing that I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna point out really three lies about who we are that the world and that the enemy wants us to believe, but that Jesus shattered in this moment. And here's the first one. And we see it in verses one through three. It says that as he went along, uh, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And they were basically recounting, uh, essentially, the common notion at the time, which was that if anything wrong happened to you, that meant that God was angry at you and that there was punishment from God. And that if you had an ailment like blindness, you were essentially an outcast and a reject and you were cursed. But that's not what Jesus said about this situation. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Here's the first point. You are not cursed. You are a platform for glory. You are not cursed. You are a platform for glory. You know... It's interesting because um, it's even alluded to at the end of this passage, the, um, the assumption was that there was some sort of sin involved in this man's life. But it's interesting because he was born blind. How can you do something wrong in your mother's womb? And yes, we are born with a sin nature. Yes, I understand all that. But the point is, is that the assumption was, is that God wants to judge somebody, that he wants to curse somebody. That was the assumption about who God was. And so in this this story, what we see is that even the Pharisees at the end of the chapter, they said, you were steeped in sin at birth. As if they weren't. You were steeped in sin at birth. In other words, the implication is that you know what? Your parents had you out of wedlock. So that's why you're blind. But Jesus said, you know what? Don't try to play God. That's not why this man was born blind. You see, I wanted to use him to display glory. Jesus, he redefined our issues and our setbacks. He redefined them. You see, I, I want to challenge you today. Some of you today, you might have issues in your life and they might be caused by sin. They might be caused by uh, they, it just, you know, we live in a fallen world. Did you know that? We live in a broken world and, and we sit here all day and talk about why bad things happen to good people. But essentially the reason is because sin entered the world and it messed everything up and all of us have to deal with it. But Jesus came and dealt with it. So, when we look at this situation, this man is 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 he's he's being looked at as cursed by God. And maybe you're here today and there's things that are wrong in your life. There's things that are broken in your life. You have situations that are real handicaps, real setbacks. Maybe there's situations that you, uh, maybe it's even a physical ailment. Maybe it's something that's more emotional. Maybe, you know, when you, you've had incredibly terrible things happen to you. You know, I remember talking to someone not too long ago and and I remember them unfolding their life story and I remember my heart just breaking as they recounted to me one tragic situation after the next and I was shocked at the incredible pain that this person had gone through, and I was overwhelmed in a sense, and I even was shaken a bit until this person says, but you know what? I know that God loves me, and I'm okay. I'm okay. I know God loves me, and I'm I'm just marching forward. You know, I wanna challenge you don't give your problems more authority than they have. Don't give your issues more authority than what they have. In fact, I wanna challenge you to start renaming your problems and your issues. And start, instead of calling them problems and issues, say, you know what, I got a a platform for glory right here. (laughs) Is there an issue in your life? That issue, you might say, well, you know what? I'm struggling in my marriage. you know what that is? That's a platform for glory. Are your children running away from the Lord? You know what that is? That's a platform for glory. Is there a sickness in your body today? That is a platform for glory. God, he wants to make the things that are broken and dead and, 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 and seemingly hopeless, he wants to bring new life to those things. You know, I, um, my, um, my my wife, uh, she she has a, a a unique testimony. When she was when she was five years old, her mom passed away, and uh, it was it was shocking. It kind of came out of the blue. No one no one uh, no one expected it, and they still actually don't even fully know uh, the the cause of her passing. And um, her parents were missionaries, and they were missionaries in the uh, the. Um, Eastern Europe, and uh, when this happened, they were on furlough in the States, and what what ended up happening is that uh, Susie's father felt a call to uh, Bosnia. They were, they were in Bosnia, and, um, and so, or it was Croatia at the time, I'm sorry, and, and they, they felt a call to this country, and so they said, you know what, um, he said, even though my wife has passed, I feel like the call of God is still on my life and my mission hasn't changed and I, and I need to go back. And so he, he took his three children and they, went, and they went back to the mission field in Croatia. And um, for those of you who are familiar with history, war broke out uh, almost immediately when they went back. And uh, it was the former Yugoslavia and um, there was just a terrible, terrible war there. But can I tell you something that happened? You see, while they were there, my father-in-law had lost his wife, and my wife and her siblings had lost their mother. And in war, there's a lot of death. When they went back to minister, my wife was telling me that there was a different grace on their life to minister to those who had experienced loss than all the other missionaries because they were able to relate. They said, I understand where you've been. I know what you're going through. And I'm not saying that this is something that, you know, uh, uh, it was easy to deal with, but let me tell you something. It was a platform for glory. And you know what else happened? Later, uh, my father-in-law remarried to a wonderful woman, and you know what happened? They adopted a Bosnian boy and that little boy who in the world's eyes had seemingly no hope there was all sorts of just a, a very difficult situation there was actually a, a nurse in the hospital who was a believer and he said this baby is basically gonna die it's gonna be forgotten it's gonna be uh, there's there's no hope for this baby and he said that can't be and so he he said uh, let, uh, let me go and he went to the church and he says, is anyone willing to take this baby? And my, 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 my wife's father said, yeah, we're going to take the baby. Well, fast forward, as you process life, sometimes God gives you revelation as you go on. And the Lord spoke to my wife and says, you know, the reason that part of the reason, part of what I used in your mother's death was that I was able to redeem an entire family line through your brother. A family line that would have been cut off. And you know, God cares about the generations. He cares about the family lines. And now, there's a young man growing up in a Christian household who just the other day was was giving the gospel to someone and was witnessing to them. Why? Because God takes the things that we think are tragedies and hopeless, and he turns it into a platform for glory. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, maybe you're here today and you've experienced something like that. I wanna encourage you, nothing is beyond God using it. There's no situation that's too far gone. Let's continue. Verse six through eight says this, after this he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now let me just let me just stop there for a second. You know, it's important that we don't create ministries out of one-time instances, okay? so. If you, wanna, if you wanna start the mud ministry, let me just uh, encourage you. That's not the purpose of this passage, all right? Uh, uh, if the Lord leads you to that one, uh, pray again. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Jesus did something a little bit strange here, right? But then he said to him, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home, seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? So what was his identity? You see, the neighbors and everyone around him looked at him and they said, you know what? This man is a poor beggar. The the insight into his life is that this man is not capable of doing anything on his own. He's basically helpless. And the interesting part about that is that Jesus didn't have that assessment of him. Jesus put mud on his eyes and then he gave him an assignment. He said, I want you to walk through the town in front of everyone with mud on your face and then I want you to go to that pool and I want you to wash in that pool. And you see, where the world would say, well, he's just a poor victim of his circumstances, Jesus says, no, that's not who he is. I have a mission for him. The second point is you are not a victim. You have a vision and a mission. You're not a victim. Listen, you know what? Society would like to tell you that based on your financial circumstances, you are either capable or incapable. But that's not true. That's not, what God, that's not what God says. And you know what? It doesn't matter what neighborhood you grew up in, and it doesn't matter what your family was like. It doesn't matter what your background is. It, none of those things matter, you see, because when Jesus comes in, He redeems an identity. He says, no, what the world used to call you, what the world used to say about you is not the case. My definition is the only one that matters. Jesus came and he says where you used to be poor, you used to be a beggar. Now you're going to stand toe to toe with the greatest minds in society. You can't read, I don't care. All I need you to do is give a testimony. Amen. Hallelujah. You know a victim, a victim has no options. A victim has no options. Listen, we're going deep here, I need you to listen. A victim has no options and a victim can't see ahead. You know the victim, the victim process is a circle. You see, a victim stays stuck in where they are because they said there's no way out. There's hopelessness in a victim mentality. You just go around and around and around. A lot of the times we can have victim mentalities about a lot of things in our life. Sometimes there's even specific areas of our life that we have a victim mentality, even though we don't operate as a victim everywhere. There's certain places where we say, you know what, this is just, you know what, because of what happened to me when I was young, this is the way that it's going to be. I'm always going to deal with this issue. Or because when uh, when when I was when I was younger, I made all of these decisions, and I you know I messed this up and I messed that up, and so now my future is now going to be uh, it's 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 capped. Let me tell you something: when Jesus comes into your life, there is no ceiling. When Jesus comes into your life, there is no ceiling because when when the the one who raised the dead to life comes into you i think that if there's any problem that you have any issue that you have he should be able to deal with it a victim is someone who needs to be rescued and so can i just say this to you if you believe in jesus today if you have a relationship with jesus you are not a victim Do you know why? Because a victim needs to be rescued, but you, my friends, have already been rescued. (laughs) Hallelujah. The season of victim is over. No more excuses about why you can't move forward. No more excuses about why your life is is stuck. Get out of the holding pattern and say, Jesus, I believe I'm not a victim because with you all things are possible. There's no issue that cannot be resolved. You are the problem solver. When we come to Jesus, he changes our perspective. He gives us a vision and a mission, and you know this is powerful. Because where this man might have been embarrassed that there was mud on his eyes, I want to remind you of a story in the Bible where God used dirt. Do you know what he did? The Bible says in Genesis that G- that God, he, he breathed his own breath of life into the dust of the earth. He created man out of the dust of the earth and he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. So Jesus is just... He's saying, this has already been done once, you are a new creation. I'm taking the dirt, I'm putting it on your eyes, and I want you to know you're brand new. You see, when this man's eyes were opened, everything about his life changed because this man's blindness was not just a miracle for a blind man. It was a picture and, a, and a, a sign for all of us to understand that when Jesus opens your eyes and he allows you to see the truth and you see the light, you see the light of the world. When you see him, it changes everything about you. You're no longer you are no longer bound by the small thinking of the world. Do you know one of the greatest, I believe, one of the greatest repercussions of the fall? Do you know what it is? Small thinking. I believe that there's people in this room that, you know what, there's, there's, there's ideas in your mind that you have held and you might have even protected Not because you didn't, not because it was something that you wanted, but because you didn't believe that God had something more for you. Some of you in this room are settling for a marriage that is weak because you don't have a vision for what God could do. You say, you know what, my marriage is better than my parents' marriage was, so that's good enough, right? No, not in the kingdom. You see, in the kingdom, we should say, no, you know what? My marriage should go from glory to glory. There shouldn't be a ceiling on how good my marriage can be. Some of you are in the room and you're, you're settling. Maybe there's even, there's single people in the room and you're settling for a partner that you're saying, you know what? I, I, I want to, uh, I know that this is, this is, I, I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. And there's someone, they're not godly and you're settling and you're sacrificing your mission and the vision that God has placed on your life because you're lonely because you don't have a vision for what God could do in your life. Some of you are in business and you're not taking any risk because you don't have a vision and a mission. You're saying, well, I just got to protect everything and you don't take any steps of faith. You're not giving. You're not moving forward. You're not pushing the boundaries because you are thinking small about who God has made you to be. But brothers and sisters, can I tell you today that when you are a child of the king, there should be no small thinking. You're not a victim. God has given you a mission. He's given you a vision. small thoughts, they keep us in bondage to a watered-down mission and a small vision. But Jesus said to this man, he said, go wash in the pool of scent. Go take a bath in your mission and then you're gonna be able to see what you need to see. Listen, God wants you to know what you're called to. You have been given a mission, you have been given an assignment, and it is not to be mediocre. God has raised you from the dead so that you can live a supernatural life that goes above the expectations of the world, that pushes the boundaries, that is successful in all that you do. Oh, Lord, help us. You know, I I just... I don't feel like we've fully gotten it, but that's okay. We're gonna. The Lord is gonna give us revelation. I want you to pray on this. I want you to pray on this. Pastor Pastor Dom uh, spoke uh, to us a, a couple weeks ago um, on a prayer meeting, and the the sermon is on the website. And he talked about a grass hepper grasshopper mentality. I want you to listen to that sermon and I want you to pray over it because I believe that there's opportunities that God is placing in our pathway. There's, there's breakthroughs that our church is going to experience because of people that are beginning to walk into the vision and the mission that God has called them because they don't think that they're small. They don't think that they're insignificant. They don't think that there's a limit on them any longer. They say, no, with God all things are possible. to keep going here verse 20 we know he is our son the parents answered and we know he was born blind but how he can see now or who opened his eyes we don't know ask him he's of age he'll speak for himself His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Final thing, and then we're gonna pray, is that you are not rejected, you are adopted. You know, it's interesting because I was, I was asking myself, why was this man begging on the street if his parents were in town? Why was he begging on the street if his parents were in town? You see, this man had experienced incredible rejection. His parents, who were afraid of their own reputation and their own social status and their own, their own acceptance, they rejected their son. They left them out to dry. I mean, it's like, talk about throwing somebody under the bus. Some of you are in here today and you've experienced incredible rejection in your life. It it influences the way that you process things. Some of you here, your parents maybe got divorced when you were small and you took that as a form of rejection. You're like, why couldn't my parents work it out? They left just, and you know what, that's not fair. They couldn't work it out and so I had to suffer and you felt rejected. Some of you were just left by your parents. Some of you were rejected by a spouse. Some of you have been rejected by by the world over and over and over again. And you know what it's created? It's created insecurity. It's created a desire to try to please other people. It's created a a longing in your heart to receive validation from all of the wrong places. It's created a, a, a shakiness in you and a weakness in you because you no longer have the confidence of a child but you're walking around like an orphan. You feel as though you have to provide for yourself because you're not sure if God is going to leave you out to dry. You feel as though you have to earn God's love because you're not sure if anyone has ever really loved you before. And so you try hard and you work hard to get the love that your heart needs. But that is the way of an orphan. You are not rejected. In Jesus' name, you are adopted. You see, this man was rejected by his own parents, but Jesus came and found him afterwards. He says, come on, let's talk. I'm not just here to, to, to heal you, I'm here to be your father. I'm here to be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm here to hear everything that is going on in your heart because Jesus, he loves you, he cares about you, and it doesn't matter what you've experienced in your life, today you can start living like a son and a daughter. All the benefits of the kingdom are at your hand. A child doesn't work for love, they assume it. You know, kids, when they have parents that love them, they're not wondering, they're confident. And you've seen the difference, you know what I'm talking about. And maybe this hits home for you. But there's, you've seen kids that they walk around with confidence and the things that you have to do them is you have to, you have to, you have to hold back the reins on those kids. Why? Because they, they believe so much about themselves and they believe so much about who they've been called to be. And you have to hold them back almost because there's so much that they they're they're so excited they don't even know which opportunity that they're going to take but a child that's been rejected they constantly are trying to protect they're trying to salvage what they what they what they're holding on to they're trying to earn favor but in jesus name that's not the way of of a child of the kingdom that's not the way that we're supposed to operate you know one of the biggest challenges And and I'm gonna say this quickly and we're gonna pray. One of the biggest challenges of children that are adopted is that not, the issue is not that the adopting family does not show them affection and love. Do you know what the main issue is? It's that the adopted child has a hard time receiving the affection and the love. There's an orphan spirit, it's a mindset, that you begin to operate on a continual basis with a mindset that says, I'm not really accepted. And here's how it plays out. People come to church and they leave right away. Right after the service is done, they leave right away. And you know why? Because they say, well, I'm not, this isn't necessarily my place. I know I need a sermon. I know I need a relationship with God. But they never connect to the family of God because they don't believe that they've been accepted. They don't open up their heart to anyone around them. Why? Because they say, you know what? This is, I'm not accepted here. But they walk around with an assumption that they're not accepted instead of a desire like a child who has already received love, who's confident of love that says, you know what? There is so much love. I have enough to go around even for the people around me. There's no lack. There's no lack for a child of God. Come on, let's stand to our feet. You know, there's a lot to process here, but this is what I want to pray. I want to pray that God would help us to walk in the identity that he has given to us. The Lord wants you to know, brothers and sisters, that He has made you a new creation. Some of you, you feel rejected. God wants you to know, you're not rejected, you're adopted. Some of you, you think that, you thought that you were cursed. You're not cursed. God wants to use the things in your life as a platform for His glory. It's only going to get better from here. You thought that some of you were were saying, you know what, I, I just, I don't. I don't really know what God's called me to, and I just feel so broken. I feel so busted up. God wants you to know. He has called you to go w- wash in a mission. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. So today, I wanna just, we have a few minutes, and the band, we're gonna begin to sing, and I wanna pray, but I wanna open up the altars for anyone that says, you know what? I want my identity to be restored. I wanna see what jesus sees not what i see i want my identity to be totally restored so come on can you just can you just lift up your hands to jesus as the band begins to play and as we begin to sing just begin to worship the lord for a moment come on just begin to lift him up just begin to declare this truth of your life chains that are going to fall off and if that's you today and you need chains of a false identity that the enemy or the world has put on you and you need to begin to walk in the identity that Jesus has given to you if that's you I want you to come out of your seat and just come down to the altar there's going to be areas some of us might have even been in the Lord for 50 years But there's things in our hearts that don't align with who God has called us to be. If that's you, I want you to come down to the altar right now. Come on, let's begin to sing. Chains, hallelujah. That the ceiling would be removed in our hearts and in our minds. That you would show your glory to us, oh God. That we would see you for who you really are so that we can live higher, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus for small thoughts to be done away with in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray oh God Lord that the the condemnation and the accusation that we are cursed we rebuke that in the name of Jesus we lift up oh God Lord we are a child of the King we are forgiven we are made new we are made whole in you in the name of Jesus we're not cursed we pray for a fresh perspective on every problem in the name of Jesus a fresh perspective on every single problem May we be, oh God, a platform for your glory, oh God. And Jesus, we pray, oh God, for every person here that has had a hard time receiving your love. I pray in the name of Jesus, may they know they are adopted as your children. They are inside the family. They're not second best or second class. When you call, oh God, you don't distinguish, oh God. Your love, it's big enough for all of us, oh God. We pray, oh God, for a new awareness, a new revelation of our identity in you. God, we pray that your church would begin to operate with a brand new authority, oh God, because you, oh God, have determined who we are and what our mission is and where we come from, oh God, and our freedom in you. So God, we pray that we would begin to operate in supernatural power, oh God. We pray, oh God, for a new confidence and a new assurance, oh God. Lord, we love you. Lord, there's so many things that are represented at the altar and in this room. Deep things, God. And Lord, the, the thought in, in a lot of minds, Lord, is that there's, that there's no way out. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that you would show the light of your glory in that dark place. God, we love you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Listen, give somebody a hug and we'll
1: see you on Tuesday night.